welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Well, it's Wednesday, April 7th, 2021, and I'm Herbie Newell along with Dr. Rick, and we're coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. And today we want to take a look at COVID a year later. It's hard to believe that a year ago we were confined to our homes with not just social distancing, uh, but actually stay-at-home orders across the country. And we know and you know that many families, especially those families who have been built through adoption and foster care, really struggled as they had to teach their kids at home, as they had to experience uh, how to care for their children uh, confined inside of their home. And so over this next month, we really want to take a dive and look at some of those stories and some of the ways that people survived, some of the challenges that people faced. And so we want to take this month, Dr. Rick and I, and look at COVID a year later. And we want to thank you for joining us here. This is our new format for the Defender Podcast. And as you will see, I am joined by the ever popular Dr. Rick, and we are grateful to be here. Before I bring Dr. Rick on, I want to remind you about an event that's upcoming called Art Stories. And we want you to join us for the next Art Stories event. It's a a night featuring Lifeline families and their stories on adoption, on foster care, on family restoration and reunification, as well as on orphan care. Proceeds from the event support Lifeline's ministry departments in taking the gospel hope to the vulnerable. So see our show notes for more details, or as always, you can visit our website at lifelinechild.org backslash ARC stories to purchase tickets or to maybe submit a story that you have. Now, this event will be taking place in Birmingham, Alabama. And if you don't live in Birmingham and you'd like to learn more about art stories or how you can hear these stories or be a part of this event, please contact us at info at lifelinechild.org. Well, Dr. Rick, so grateful to have you join us, not just today for the Defender Podcast, but to join us as a co-host, we just kind of intro what we're going to hear today and, and, and this interview with Whitney White and Lynn Beckett talking about COVID a year later. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. We, uh, we are privileged to have an opportunity to, to sort of listen in on an interview that Whitney White did recently with, uh, with Lynn Beckett. Whitney is, uh, is part of our education team and a, a therapist here at Lifeline. Um, she has, has done a lot of work both uh, domestically and internationally with families and with children coming from hard places. Lynn Beckett heads up our parent coaching initiative here at Lifeline and really one of those things where we're diving in intentionally to, to train parents. And so we thought it would be good just to, to get them together to talk a little bit um, a year later. And, and so we, we did a series of podcasts a, about a year ago where we looked at what did we predict were some of the things that we thought would be challenging to families. And we just thought it might be helpful to our listeners to, to really kind of dive in and say, what has experience taught us over the course of the year? So uh, without further ado, um, Whitney White and Lynn Beckett are going to begin that discussion for us. 
Hey everybody, my name is Whitney White and I am the International Education Counselor at Lifeline. So I get to do counseling with families and serve in an education capacity for various parts of our ministry. And as a partner in education and somebody who is equally passionate about education as I am, I have Lynn Beckett with me today. So Lynn gets to serve in a really cool role at Lifeline and I'll let her describe that. But what we have done just over the last year, really when COVID-19 began to really impact our children and families, Lynn and I were able to partner together to create some resources for our families at that time to just help them transition and adjust adequately to give some tips and some reminders about how this might impact their children. And now we want to revisit that topic because we are months and months in and we're seeing that some of our families are struggling more now than they did at the beginning. And some of the children that we're serving are struggling more now than they did months ago. So Lynn, will you first just tell us a little bit about your role at Lifeline? Right, so I do get to serve on the counseling and education team here at Lifeline. And one of my most favorite jobs as part of that is to provide parent coaching services for our families. And um, that is something that we had done a soft rollout on. And then when COVID hit, um, we really saw that this was a need for uh, families to have someone come alongside them. And um, maybe you don't feel like you need counseling, um, but you need someone to help brainstorm with you on the unique needs of your child. Your child coming from a place of trauma um, yeah. is a little different. And so that has been really fun to walk alongside families and help them and see their children come to places of healing as we apply those principles that we all know about, those TBRI, trust-based relational intervention straight out of the connected child. Um, as we apply those at home, it really can impact our children and change that parent-child interaction and relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. So Lynn has had the opportunity really uh, a lot this last year of working with a lot of families and serving a lot of families through parent coaching. So Lynn, I'm curious, what struggles have you seen over and over and over again that kind of have a tendency to relate to COVID-19? I think one of the hardest things that our families have faced has been uncertainty and predictability. Yeah. And schedules have, what is a schedule? That's just gone out the window right. for so many of our families. Or it's one thing for one week and then it's totally different for next week, right? Correct, correct. Um, and so certainly we think about school and our children's school schedules. And I can tell you that if some of the parents um, have shared their child's school schedule with me, I found my anxiety level rising, <laughs> thinking, how is a child supposed to navigate um, school in person Monday, Wednesday, Friday, virtual schools on Tuesday, Thursday, mm -hmm. right? So um, it has just been really, really difficult. And then parents as well. So we have, you know, parents at home, we have some children mm -hmm. at home, and everyone is trying to navigate uh, 
what they're supposed to be doing and getting their work accomplished. So that unpredictability, we know for our children that predictability is what provides safety for our children. Mm -hmm. And when our children don't know what is coming the next day, or they may have the experience that, um, that, you know, they get home from school and mom finds that note in the backpack that, oops, somebody has tested positive. So we're going to have to quarantine for two weeks. Um, that news can really undo a child and can cause a child to live in that state of hyper alertness. Um, you know, not being able to relax and feel safe, wondering what comes next. Am I going to school? Am I not going to school? What's happening? Yeah. So that is something that we've really worked on is trying to help make that unpredictable predictable. You know, really utilizing a lot of communication has been key for our parents mm -hmm. to talk through with their children, using um, calendars, making sure we get things on the calendar for younger children, you know, it may be, or for our children that are learning English for the first time, you know, adding in those pictures so that they can visually see what is happening the next day. Hmm. And, um, and then also this togetherness, and especially with children working from home in their schoolwork, with parents working from home, possibly, um, we need to help our children with independence. Right. And this has been a struggle for our families. Yeah. My child has difficulty entertaining themselves. So I'm on a Zoom call and I need my child to entertain themselves for a few minutes. Yeah. And helping our children learn how to navigate what they can do independently while mom and dad are engaged in work or business and can't maybe attend to them for a few minutes. You know, so we have worked on coming up with brainstorming with your child on um, this is what you can do. Let's come up with three or four things that you can do for 10 minutes on your own. Yeah. Three or four things you can do for 30 minutes on your own. Mm -hmm. Okay. What maybe we have brothers and sisters in the home. Maybe what are three or four things that you and brother and sister can do, you know, yeah. together um, so that you don't have to come to me and say, I'm bored or what do I do next? Okay. Helping your children learn how to problem solve. You know, maybe they need help with that math problem, mm -hmm. you know, so helping them problem solve. I can wait. I can ask brother or sister, or I can try to read it again and see if I can figure it out on my own. Mm -hmm. If we give our kids tools and help them navigate yeah. so they don't get in these places where they're stuck, you know, a lot of times they just get stuck and they don't know how to get unstuck. So if we can be proactive and help our kids get unstuck a little bit, then that may help everyone in the household, right? So mom and dad can wow. get through their meeting and, um, and then, you know, then they can engage with it. Right. That's so really we want to make that's sure really, 
helpful. One thing that I love about what Lynn does so well is just make things practical. And I feel like Lynn always has just really practical advice to offer. And so all of those suggestions are so good and just helping create that predictability, even in the little things that you can control, that you can assume, that you do know about just increasing that felt predictability and felt safety for our kids. That's great. Right. Right. So, you know, we talked a little bit about when those things happen that are not predictable. Yeah. You know, it can really generate those feelings of anxiety. Right. Um, And even for parents, you know, parents' feelings have been elevated a little bit during this time, during this year. Right. And, um, you know, having to do Zoom meetings, having to do reports, um, maybe going into the office, not going into the office. What if, you know, I'm supposed to be going into the office, but my child's school is canceled that day. So now I have to work from home. So even parents' anxiety levels can be elevated a little bit. So, you know, we talk about, you know, the importance for parents to be able to remain calm in the midst of all of this because parents really do set the tone in the home. And if parents are feeling a little anxious or frustrated, our children can really pick up Mm -hmm. on those feelings and that can make them feel unsafe too. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the things that we have really been working with um, is taking our emotional temperature, you know, how am I feeling right now? Mm-hmm. You know, where am I feeling it in my body? Mm-hmm. What might be generating that feeling? So we may be frustrated with our boss or we may be frustrated with our situation, but sometimes that can come out toward our children, mm-hmm. you know? And so we really want to make sure that we are really closely attuned to what is going inside us. Yeah. And then, um, as we are getting in touch with our feelings and our emotions, it is important for us to help our children with their feelings and their emotions. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about, you know, this idea that things are unpredictable, classes get canceled, situations change because of COVID and handling disappointment and frustration and helping our children learn how to handle disappointment and frustration, right? So that is so important. And um, and so one of my favorite tools is by Gabby Garcia, and she's written a book called Listening to My Body. Mm-hmm. And it's both in English and Spanish, if we have Spanish learners. And um, it is a great children's book that really helps kids begin to connect the feelings that they have on the inside um, with, you know, the sensations of their body and how that is connected with feelings, you know, so when we get a headache or when we feel our jaw clenched or our fists become clenched, you know, that's the beginning maybe of the feelings of anger, right? Right. Or we have butterflies in our tummy, so we're nervous. You know, we haven't been in school for two weeks, and now we're going back in person, so we get a little nervous about what is the day going to be like, and how long are we really going to be able 
to sustain going to school in person. So helping children get connected with their feelings and their emotions, you know, if parents can help our kids learn how to identify their feelings and emotions, a lot of times that goes a long way in even preventing misbehavior um, before it ever even happens because a kid feels heard, they feel understood, they feel seen. You know, yeah, and and we as parents can kind of lead in that, like you said, like if we're not doing it as parents, how can we expect our children to be able to do it well? And and I think there are times where we need to just maintain, we need to be calm and we need to be present with our with our children. But I think with appropriate discretion, it's okay at times if you're not making it all about yourself, it's okay to be vulnerable with your kids, right? To just say, hey, mommy's had a lot of change in her life and she's been trying to work from home and she's trying to manage this and she's trying to do that. And and I think just explaining, like maybe I feel anxious too. And that's okay Mm -hmm. for our kids to hear because it normalizes those emotions. Um, But we do have to be careful not to make it about us. Like Right. Child, you're not able to be anxious because I'm anxious and you're making this worse for me. That's really not what our kids need, but they do need that awareness and that acknowledgement that this is normal. This is okay. I see you. I hear you. Right. You're hurt. Yeah, absolutely. Parents making themselves vulnerable in that way, in an appropriate way, um, makes a child feel connected to their parent. Right. It is amazing to see how as a parent is vulnerable, it can really create a deepening in attachment and connection with their children. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And just conveying that that message of that, that message of we are in this together. I mean, okay. So before we started to record, I was sharing with her about how the stomach bug just hit our family hard yesterday. Well, the night before. And so we, I mean, we all went down, we went down hard and we went down fast. And with my three-year-old, I was trying to comfort him. And here I am, I am sick myself. And he's saying, hold me. I mean, it was just a bit of a disaster at moments. But I was trying to like send messages to him of like, this is, this is really not okay. We are all struggling. But I was telling him, I said, buddy, like we are sick together and we are going to get better together. Like we are not feeling good today. And so that means that we get to do some extra fun things because it is hard to even get up and to meet the needs of small children right now. But I just was trying to send him the message of like, this is hard but we are in this together. And so I just kept saying, we are sick together and we are going to get better together. And so I think that that message, that was just on a three-year-old level about the stomach bug, but those messages are things that we can send. Like we are in this together. We are on the same team and this is hard for you. This is hard for me, but we're going to come through the other side. All right, typical Zoom fashion. We just froze a little bit. This is only fitting, right? Okay, Lynn, you're back. <laughs> it's like, this is only fitting with us talking about pandemic and talking about 
you know, talking about like COVID impacts and us trying to do life and work and everything through Zoom. And then you get the message saying that, you know, interconnection, internet connection is not stable. So that, that, that was very timely. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And um, yeah. And haven't we all felt unstable, but oh. I love, I love what you were saying about together, you know, that we are in this together. Yeah. Um, we're going to figure it out together. You know, and, and, and I'm here on your team to help, to help you do this, to help you navigate this, you know, to help you navigate, um, you know, prom from a distance or your senior year, you know, it's just totally been unsettled or even your freshman year in college, you know, and how that experience is so different um, than what you are you were hoping for and what you were expected and what is traditional, you know, that traditional freshman year on campus, so many feelings and emotions to work okay. through and help, but we're going <clears> to, <throat> and then being creative and how can we creatively, you know, um, meet that need of connection, mm-hmm. you know, um, at the same time of being safe within yeah. the restrictions that yeah. we have. You know, um, about how, okay. One, one thing that we haven't talked about yet that I know is just a super common struggle always with the population in which we work and with the families that we serve, but even more so now is that sibling interaction. Um, Lynn recently just taught on sibling interactions. And so I'm wondering if you can speak into what are some of the struggles that you've seen in regards to sibling relationships? Right. I mean, you know, togetherness is good, but too much togetherness can create friction, right? We've had a lot of togetherness. And um, even even when togetherness is going well, about um, three weeks into our sheltering in place, I guess it was this time last year, I looked at my husband and told him he was annoying me because he was being too nice. So (laughs) poor Brian. (laughs) I know. So, um, So, yeah. And so with siblings, that togetherness can kind of wear thin, right? And what we want to look at is that this is an opportunity for us to teach personal skills, social skills, you know, to teach problem solving. Kind of an Um, intensive, right? (laughs) We're setting our siblings, our children up for like an intensive intervention. This is correct. So much togetherness, right? That's right. But if we think about, okay, this is an opportunity to teach some conflict resolution skills, you know, and I think too, one thing to take a little pressure off parents is to, as you teach these conflict resolution resolution skills, it's going to take you out of that role of feeling like you can be, you have to be the referee and the judge and that you always have to intervene, Right. So as we equip our children to learn how to resolve their conflicts in a healthy, appropriate way, um, then we are going to kind of work ourselves out of a job and we can just say, hey, I think this is between you and your brother, you know, especially for that tattler, that child that seems to want to be the um, policeman in the family and let mom know of all the rules and regulations that have been broken and when and how, you know, um, then you can begin to redirect them. I think this is, this is you, something you need to talk to 
you know, with your brother or you and your brother. I have confidence. Many times what we need to do is to let our children know that they are capable and that they do have the capacity to problem solve. We initially have to help them and give them the tools. But once we do that, once we take the time to train and equip them, then they're going to do an amazing job, you know, of, of meeting their own needs and do some problem solving. And the beauty of that is who doesn't need conflict resolution skills, right? Those are skills that will last a lifetime, right. you know, with their, in their dating relationships, with their first roommate, in marriage, with coworkers, Unfortunately, with other believers, we have conflict in all those areas. So if we can, you know, take that challenge that we have as parents to be disciples of our children and to teach good, healthy conflict resolution skills, um, I think that will go a long way in making home and togetherness um, better. Yeah. You know, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I'm wondering if there are any other, any other trends that you're seeing. So we've talked about schedule and, and predictability challenges and then emotions of the child and being present with the child and the parents managing their own emotions and siblings. Are, are there any other trends that you've kind of picked up on in the last few months? Right. I think um, one thing that has been really difficult um, with doing sheltering in place, with doing school from home, is that it has thrown us into the world of technology, mm-hmm. maybe more than we want it to. Mm-hmm. So our kids are on their computers so that they can log in to school. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of parents report, you know, our children are so savvy with technology, that they know how to get around blocks. They can look like they're paying attention in class while they're playing games on the side. That's really hard. I've had even, even last week, had a counseling session and some of our counseling sessions are being offered via Zoom. And I was meeting with a teenager. And at one point, I'm like, are you looking at something? Are you, are you texting on your computer? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> it's been such a challenge, and he was like really engaged in what we were saying, and then all of a sudden, it's like his attention completely shifted, and he was no longer with me. And I just saw this glazed over, and then I saw his eyes, and I'm like you're reading, aren't you? Well, we can we can praise him for his honesty, right? I know he was honest. <laughs> Absolutely. So the other dilemma is that parents are busy. They're doing their work at home too. And so sometimes the, the, the path of least resistance is mm-hmm. to pop, well, I'm going to date myself to pop in the video, but to put, to <laughs> send the child, you know, to yeah. the, um, the TV screen, you know, yeah. to watch the show or to watch the movie or yeah. whatever. So this is something that we really do need to be aware of. And it's something we really do need to guard against because those videos and that screen time, we can easily get addicted to it and um, it can easily break connection within our family. 
-hmm. you know, and really that's the most dangerous thing. We want to make sure that we are connecting with one another and not breaking connection. Mm -hmm. So, you know, really being proactive with that, pulling out the board games at night, you know, working on puzzles together. If you have space in your home where you can leave out that 500 piece puzzle and everybody just joins around the table for a few minutes during the day to kind of debrief and decompress, um, those good old fashioned activities and things that maybe have gone by the wayside in the past. Let's reconnect with some of those things so that we're having connection. Um, Time around the dinner table to reconnect is hugely important. So some families like to do the question, what was your thorn of the day? What was your rose of the day, right? What was good? What was hard? And really connecting with one another's feelings and emotions. Lifeline has a fantastic resource for well-known that is dinner conversations specifically designed for adoptive and foster families. So that's on our website. It's in our store. And so if you feel like, I don't know what kind of conversation starters are good or where to go with conversation, that is a great tool that you can keep on your table in the kitchen and um, use that to begin to jumpstart some really good, deep conversations. We do have some resources on our resource tab, some articles about technology. There are actually technology contracts that you can sign with your child. If your child is having difficulty limiting their, their, their time on the screen. Um, There's some contracts that you can talk with them about where we can come to agreement as parent and child on setting some limits and boundaries of technology if that's kind of become out of hand. And again, kind of earlier of what I, we cannot take away something, a behavior without replacing it with something. So let's think of some good alternatives, right? If you don't have screen time, what can we do instead? You know, what are some good things that we can do instead? Projects we might be able to work on. Maybe it's time to learn a new skill. Um, and in this time uh, to help replace that, that challenge of technology. Great, great. This has been wonderful. Just good practical advice about how to kind of move forward now, some, some new tidbits of advice to kind of implement um, that are maybe slightly different than what, what our family started doing even months ago. So is there anything else that you wanted to share that you feel like would be helpful or any other resources or recommendations? Well, I, um, I just love the thought. I've, I'm, I'm coming up with these um, words that all begin with the letter C, you know? Mm-hmm that during this time, really, what is our goal? Relationship is really what's most important. All these other distractions that are going on in our lives right now seem huge and big, but if we can remember that relationship is so important. So within our relationships and especially our relationships with our children, we wanna be curious. 
-hmm. We want to be curious about the sweetheart of our child Mm -hmm. and what is going on in their heart. What are they feeling? What are they thinking? What are they believing? Yeah. You know, we want to be calm Mm -hmm. as much as we can. We want to calm the chaos, Mm -hmm. you know? So if that means we just stop everything and we sit down together and have a snack, that's important. The laundry can wait, the dishes can wait, right? And we want to be connected. We Mm. want to be connected as we're curious, as we're calm. Mm. We want to have connection. That's the most important thing before we ever move into correction. Yeah. If those three things can happen, curious, calm, and connected, then our teaching moments with our children, our training moments with our children, are going to be so impactful. Right. Yeah, they're yeah. going to learn so much more and they're going to feel more safe because <laughs> we know that those are the same things that lead to that felt safety. And then they're also just going to become more resilient because they're going to feel like I'm not alone. Again, going Absolutely. back to that, like we're in this together. They're going to feel like, okay, I'm connected. I'm not alone. I've got somebody on my side. We are on the same team together. And so they're able to face the unpredictability, the adversity of the world, the challenges that continually are thrown their way because mm-hmm. they don't feel like they're in isolation. Yes. Um, so they just grow in confidence too. That's Absolutely. Beautiful. I love those. Absolutely. Awesome. Lynn, thank you so much for taking time, for sharing with us, for just unloading so much wisdom and insight and good practical advice with us today. So we really appreciate your time. You're so welcome. Thanks. Wow. So just so love the heart of both of these women and Whitney, who has served so faithfully in education. And I love what Lynn really started right before the pandemic in this family Mm -hmm. coaching. And it's been so impactful. You know, Dr. Rick, you have the opportunity to to work with Lynn and and to really dive deep into how we're coaching families. How has this truly been so integral of a piece that the Lord brought to us pre pandemic? But how have you seen it personally be used in such a way during this pandemic? Yeah, I, I think, you know, our our whole reasoning for beginning parent coaching was really to to go to that next level with families that were trying to imply apply trauma-informed care and and trying to parent their children well, uh, who were coming from a hard place and and really trying to personalize that to say, what does it look like for you to apply these techniques in your home? And I think one of the places where we kind of saw that that families sometimes struggled is they they could kind of understand at the conceptual level about what they needed to be doing. But day in and day out, um, sometimes they were just unsure about mm-hmm. the, the things that they were actually doing and the ways that they were actually engaging their kids. Because because honestly, trauma sensitive parenting isn't um, it's not intuitive. It's not it's some of it is not really based on where we come from as uh, in the way we've been parented. And and so Lynn began this and providentially, I just believe the Lord, you know, led us to do this. Uh, we didn't know the pandemic was coming, but obviously God did. Mm-hmm. And, and so something that we thought was a good thing and really something we thought we could, you know, we could grow very slowly um, turned into, to, to a, a really important, piece of the puzzle for us in, in helping to serve families. And so, um, 
I think a lot of what Lynn brought in this interview and a lot of the conversation that they had just came around the insights of, um, you know, really hundreds of hours of conversations with families and coaching over the course of, you know, the last year. Um, I think one of the things like if I, if just to kind of dive into the interview a little bit and is Lynn really kind of talked about this idea of unpredictability and about how how difficult that is for our kids that are that are coming from hard places and i think it's really like we've almost we've almost become unpredictability has almost become familiar to us right like it's like the it's almost predictable that things are going to be unpredictable and i think in the middle of that it can still really be a struggle for families to, to realize the, the need for sameness and stability in a world that doesn't provide any of that. And a lot of us, quite frankly, I think are just tired of, you know, of those things and, and tired of, of, you know, of bringing structure. And I don't think that's honestly, Herbie, I don't think that's just families that are, you know, that have come together through adoption. It's not families that have, you know, that have, that have come together in, in, in a temporary way through foster care, it's, it's kind of all of us. I mean, you guys have faced um, challenges of consistency and, and, and there've been, there've been pluses and minuses, right? Like there've been, there've been benefits that all of this has brought to us, but there, you know, there's certainly deficits. I'm, I'm just curious with, you know, with you and Ashley, what, what have you guys seen as, as ways to really kind of build safety and security and predictability um, into your parenting at a time when everything around us kind of isn't supporting that. Yeah. And I I love what you say because it's really for all of us. Right. And we make these plans uh, as every parent does about what you're going to do or or what you're going to say, or even plans to disciple your kids uh, through a family devotion and life always will throw you a monkey wrench. And I think it's the way that we lean in relationally with our kids. Um, and it's through, honestly, some of those hard times and those trauma times that we teach them the most. You know, we, we as parents, I think we always think, hey, the, the greatest time I can teach my child is in the moments when I've prepared well, uh, I, have a, I have a solid plan, we're all sitting down in a, in a cute little circle and we're opening up God's word and we're reading it and boom, magic's going to happen and we'll be able to disciple them. But the truth of the matter is it's through the interesting things because, I mean, even with teenagers and 11-year-old, we barely ever have a perfect circle where everything goes right and mm-hmm. it's a kumbaya moment. It's <laughs> always chaos. There's something that happens. There's something that comes on. But in this last year, and, and you said it, our family's experienced a lot of trauma from my son, Caleb, breaking his arm traumatically and having to have surgery, uh, from my, my sister-in-law having a massive stroke one night to, I mean, so many different little things that we could point to. And I feel like the Lord actually gave us in those moments the opportunity to disciple and to show our hearts, our kids' hearts everything we read in scripture, everything mm-hmm. we see in scripture. And so, yeah, I, I, I think relationships, building those moments of relationships, not getting up tight when your plans don't go out, you know, get out of whack, but instead using those moments to build community, to build relationship and to build trust. And 
Then for our families that are parenting children that, that have trauma-informed backgrounds, you just got to remember that they have additional triggers um, and they have additional ways that you need to lean in on them. Uh, but I think the, the whole reason that we love, that you and I both love family coaching and that we love our counseling ministry and we love these bridge ministries that we're able to do to help families is because we desperately want these families to disciple the heart of their child. And, and these are ministries that help you do that by bringing some semblance of, of calm and bringing relationship in your home so that ultimately mm. in those times when it's hard, when it's difficult, you're able to really disciple your children. And I'll say this last thing, Dr. Rick, and you and I have talked about this a lot, especially with student ministry backgrounds. I want my kids to struggle in my home, Absolutely. not outside of my home, because when Absolutely. they struggle inside my home and I give them temptations and I, and I give them temptations, but the, the temptation, they, they, they fall the temptation, right? I can then help pick them up. I can disciple them through that. I can point them through that. And so I would just tell families and, and don't stress the small stuff and, and actually rejoice in the Lord when your kids are struggling in a way that you're able to lean in and, and point them to the father and point them to grace and point them to the way that they need to go. You know, and, and this may not exactly be appropriate for, um, you know, for a podcast, but I'm just going to, I'm going to be really vulnerable and just kind of share for a second. So something that's happening in real time while you and I are recording, um, we're, we're facing today um, thunderstorms and a, a really messy weather forecast where we are. Um, one of my kids in particular is triggered by the weather. Like it's one of his things we've known it. We've, we've talked about it. We've laughed about it. It's, it's like a, it's like an extra member in our home during, you know, during the time when the weather's like this. So, so I just got a text from my wife saying like, today's really not fun at home because, you know, because he's, he's extra triggered. And I think, you know, Lynn pointed to that idea of sort of this hyper alertness that kids are, kids are experiencing. And I think things that, things that we have dealt with on some level and have had really kind of a plan for, mm-hmm. um, they're a lot harder mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And I think part of, part of where I appreciate parent coaching um, is that it, it's an opportunity for somebody to just kind of remind us and give us some techniques because, because the truth is I'm triggered we're triggered like this is affecting all of us and i and i think it it's not just um you know this is not just something that has has a a result in the in the lives and the behavior of our kids there are there are pressures that have been placed upon us that have been you know difficult and it can be it can be sort of easy to kind of lay some of your parenting down and and almost give yourself an excuse not to be proactive in your parenting because, because you are tired and because you are stressed out. And, and so, man, I really appreciate the, even the reminder that you give that. I mean, you, you said it very articulately, really what you said is, is a very modern way of pointing to Deuteronomy chapter six. It's, it's just, it's just this, this intentionality that says that whatever circumstances we get to walk through or, 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 or that God places in front of us during our day, it's a reminder that we're not supposed to set a special school moment for our kids in order to teach them, you know, about who Jesus is or about the gospel or, you know, our provision, not that those things are bad, like having intentional moments that we plan are good, 
but but realizing that the powerful stuff oftentimes really just happens as we're going out of our house and as we're coming back and as we're running errands and as we're, you know, we're doing kind of the normal rhythms of, of life. And, and, and that's been really hard um, to be intentional to do. I think one of the other things that's, that's been difficult for a lot of families is we've spent a lot of time with each other and we spent a lot of time with each other that, that for, for many of us, that's not time that we've, you know, ever had before. And so we've not ever kind of planned around it. And, and so Lynn brought up this idea of like kids entertaining themselves, kids being bored and like Mm -hmm. boredom being kind of an elephant in the room um, for, for helping our kids transition. And I know um, you guys as a homeschool family, like that's, that's a reality every day, right? Like that's a, that's something you've had to, you've had to negotiate. And, and so, you know, just kind of thinking through maybe, maybe some of the things that you and Ashley have learned in, in homeschooling that might be helpful for some of our families to think about in helping kids to kind of be on their own and help them to kind of, you know, sort of work and play independently and and all that. So we'd love to just kind of hear how, like, how do you guys negotiate that? Well, and I think too, and you know, you and I agree on this, that, you know, boredom is really a lost art. Uh, it's <laughs> something that, you know, when we were kids during the summer, we got bored. Uh, and, you know, there wasn't constant streaming entertainment. There wasn't constant ways to, to waste your time. But in some of those boredom is where some of our most creative ideas came. Um, in some of that idea of, of, of having times where you don't know what else to do, it's, 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 it's where, you know, kids learn to, uh, to self-stimulate um, mm-hmm. from a standpoint of thinking of creative ways or thinking of creative play or getting outside. And, you know, one of the things that Lynn always talks about and Whitney talks about well is, 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 is tactile feel and tactile play. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, whenever you see a kid get bored, they tend to go to something that's more tactile. Um, they go outside, they, they play in the, the sand or they, they dig a hole or they, you know, they do something that's, that's feel and touch. And so, you know, we have found that we actually enjoy when our kids are bored because it means that we're going to be able to, to push them to something creative. We're going to be able to push them to something that's, that's not digital, that's not, you know, overstimulating, but something that's actually going to grow them as a person. Um, and it's going to met their character. And, you know, transitioning back even though to something you said, Dr. Rick, kind of as we close, because I think this is so, so important and you're not going to say this, but I'll say this for you. Um, I know the relationship you have with the child in the storm. And I know the difficulties that at times that, that y'all have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also know that because we had storms last week, very similar <laughs> to this, that when daddy gets home, that it doesn't, it doesn't solve everything, but that there's a level of decompression in his heart and his soul because he knows that, that you're home and bro, like, that's what we want in our kids because that's showing them a picture of a God who comes with his presence and says, I'm here and I'm here to calm you. And so I, again, I think in those moments, uh, the parent coaching and, and learning to reach the heart of our children so that, yeah, it's not going to make it perfect, but there's a place where in a day where for you guys, 
decade, more than a decade later now, you're able to come home. And again, he's still nervous, but he feels a lot more safe mm-hmm. when daddy's at home. Well, and, and just, you know, to kind of wrap, wrap this thought up, I think one of the other things that we've kind of learned through this is um, one of the things that's affected with our kids and, and is part of the complexity of, of dealing with, you know, kids that have had struggles and have come from a hard place is, um, you know, kind of the whole development of the prefrontal cortex, right? Like the, the reasonable, rational, problem-solving part of the brain is, is something that kind of tends to lag behind. And so one of the things that, that we can do in the midst of our kids being bored is give them a problem to solve. Like give them a challenge, give them something to do. And it can be fun. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be labor and, and make, you know, make them feel like they're having to do something that, that they don't enjoy. But like we give them a challenge, we give them a problem, we give them something, and then we enter into it with them. Um, you know, and, and there's a there's a balance of being present. We want them to go off and work on those things independently, but we want to be accessible to them that when we've given them a challenge, they're able to come back and they're able to kind of check in and they're able to ask questions and we're able to talk about, you know, what they're doing. And so, you know, giving, giving them something that they just kind of have to stretch a little bit for, mm-hmm. um, it helps to keep them occupied. It helps to deal with boredom, but you know, in a, in a very cool way, it also helps to, to build that problem solving part of the brain that, you know, that we know is so important to, to be built. And, and I think, you know, that also reflects the way that God, um, parents us, right? Like the Lord, the Lord hasn't given us every answer to every situation. He's given us himself and he's given us, you know, his presence and, and his word. Um, and, and, and then he puts us out there to, to use all of that. And, and, and in that freedom, you know, under that safety to solve problems and to work through life. And, and so I just think that's a great way to model for our kids. Um, unfortunately through the pandemic, I, I will confess that at times, I think even our own stress causes us not to think creatively like that because, because we feel so just kind of out of sorts. And, and so I would just encourage our families to stay at it, continue to do the things that you know, to do, um, but I'd also just kind of throw a plea out there to say, if you're at that point where you don't know what to do and you don't think the things that you're doing are effective, there is, there is, there are resources available and there's help available. Call us, um, you know, reach out to our parent coaching services or just reach out to us in general at the info at lifelinechild.org uh, email address. And, and we'd love to be able to engage with your family and, and see if there are things that we can do to help. Yeah. Well, Dr. Rick, what fun it has been this first time to be joined by you, and we look forward to next week, and we certainly hope that you will join us again next week on Wednesday, April the 14th, and we're going to look again at a pandemic a year later. We're going to be joined by Whitney White again, but as well, uh, Kristen Avery, who is a missionary from Kenya, and get to hear her perspective of what it looks like COVID a year later. So join us again next week. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. 
follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.